Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson. Here on the hump day edition of The Yard, one day closer to uh, college football. I feel like it's been a while, but uh, open day came at a good time for the Bulldogs. It didn't feel like it's been forever since we played, even though, yeah, it's been about 10 days or so. You know, so we'll get back on the field this weekend against Arkansas. Done a lot of uh, media this week, kind of keeping up with the opponents. Uh, for a two and five team, this Arkansas team feels exceptionally confident. And uh, Sam Pittman and everybody in college football tell you does a good job of kind of keeping those guys holding the rope. You know, they still believe they can turn this thing around, make some good things happen. And you know as well as I do, they're looking at, hey, you know what, Mississippi State's up on the schedule. It's a game we should win. It's a game that we won last time that we were uh, hosting those guys back in 2021, despite the fact that we missed three field goals and uh, ultimately lost by a field goal. I'm going to talk a little bit about the uh, Mississippi State-Arkansas series today on the show. Uh, it, it, it's a series that will continue into next year. You know, Alabama and LSU come off the schedule, and we don't even know how the rest of the rotation is going to work going forward. But – we will have the opportunity to host Arkansas next year. So this is, again, a series that's been very competitive since they joined the league. And I'm going to talk about some memorable games on today's show. Uh, you know, of course, we've had our uh, media opportunities for Mississippi State football this week. Those are now behind us. You can watch all the videos and read those interviews in their entirety for free at jeanspage.com. And uh, I feel like we did a good job of keeping all of that information out there for you because uh, we cover the team and we want to make sure that all the big room stuff is accessible to you, right? There's not a lot of exclusive stuff that happens in the big rooms, even though sometimes it's kind of billed as such. We just make that stuff free. So whether you're a subscriber or not, and you should be because you can get uh, one month for a dollar or 30% off the annual subscription fee, uh, but you can uh, go watch that at any point. You can go up, feature videos, and you can watch every one of them. And we do uh, embed those in our articles as well. Uh, so you get the video itself and uh, the transcription or an article, uh, including the quotes from that piece. But again, um, jeanspage.com, team content always available uh, to everybody, whether you pay us or not. So we're happy to have uh, you come allow us to be your source for Mississippi State athletics coverage. But uh we're going to make the, uh, the drive up on Friday. Matter of fact, I'm going to get up a little bit early on Friday and uh, get the show recorded so we can get on the road uh, because, you know, of course, we've got a couple of granddaughters up there in northwest Arkansas. We're eager to see them. You know, the bride hasn't met her newest grandchild yet. So uh, Lily and Reagan is our newest one. We're having Lily Palooza this weekend, and everybody in the family's coming in. Audrey's flying in from Florida. Mia's making the drive up from uh, Starkville, as is Ian. And so we'll have everybody together under one roof uh, for the first time in a long time. And so that'll be great. Uh, only Dane and I are covering the game. Everybody else is going to sit around and hold babies and watch the games from home. And then uh, we'll, you know, have the rest of our weekend together. So hopefully you can get out and spend some time with your family and uh, maybe around the television as you watch the Bulldogs play. Hopefully you're going to be in Fayetteville, Arkansas. It's a beautiful part of the country. Uh, it's amazing how, mar how far that Northwest Arkansas has come in the last 10 years. I mean, it really is. So if you're on the fence about going, I suggest you go. At this point, we don't know a lot about the health of the Mississippi State team. As I mentioned on Monday's show, I do not expect Will Rogers to play this week. I do know he has participated some in practice. 
Don't know how extensive his participation was, but, uh, you know, he's still around. You know, some have suggested otherwise, but uh, that's not the indication that we have. Uh, not sure what's going to be you know, what the deal with Woody Marks is going to be. Now, I know Woody will want to play. I mean, he's just that kind of player. You know, Woody always wants to play. The season's on the line. I know that Woody wants to be in the mix. And I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be available or not. He's had two weeks to kind of rest and rehabilitate. It, it was a twisted leg tackle that kind of took him down. He did return to the sidelines, did not return to the game. I know that he wanted to. Uh, but sometimes, you know, discretion's a better part of valor. We're going to need Woody down the stretch as we try to make a run at postseason here. Uh, but at this point, I don't think it's we know anything. Maybe a game time decision, maybe not. Of course, they're going to be very you know, protective of the health of our student athletes and also the news as it relates to that. But uh, we do expect to get some people back. Uh, Calvin Dinkins, not one of them just yet. Uh, Calvin, uh, as, a guy, as you guys know, had surgery earlier this year, but uh, we do expect him back at some point this year, and we certainly need him. And you got some young guys out there, too, that uh, still have four games that they can u- utilize as part of a redshirt year and maintain four years of eligibility. So I think you're going to see some of those guys – here in these final six games, have the opportunity to get on the field. And if for no other reason, to get some experience, but also, too, to kind of save some wear and tear on the regulars. But uh, we've got to play a good defensive game this week. We're going to preview the game and talk more about Arkansas, the 2023 Razorbacks, on Friday's show. But today, going to spend some time talking about the series. And, uh, so, you know, again, how things have gone, I think it's been good for both teams, to be honest with you. I think this is a game that people look forward to, and it's been very unpredictable at times. Uh, So we're going to kind of go back and look at the history of the Mississippi State-Arkansas series today, and we'll talk a little bit about basketball. Justin Frommer uh, is in Birmingham for uh, SEC Basketball Media Days, and and if I understand correctly, we're the only Mississippi State media entity representing the Stark Vegas Bureau at Media Days. We've never gone in the past, and uh, Justin wanted to go, so we got credentialed and we sent him over there. So... Uh, look for content there that you won't be able to find anywhere else over at jeanspage.com. Uh, that's kind of cool, too. So uh, I know that we'll talk basketball a bit later in the show is, uh, you know, some predictions and all SEC teams have come out and things of that nature. Uh, so we'll get to that a little bit later. But I think it's important to understand that uh, we're going to do our best in, 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 on every front to give you the best coverage possible when it comes to Mississippi State sports over at jeanspage.com. Let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, I've got a hankering to get in there this week. Got to make a move quick. It's already Wednesday. I'm leaving town Friday. So I need to get in there and uh, get my Bulldog Burger craving satisfied. I love going in there. I, I do. I love. I just pulled into the parking lot, parking already. I'm thinking, hey, I want to get those spring rolls. I looked in the mirror this morning. Maybe I look a little bit peaked, a little bit haggard. They did kind of. Add that to my beauty care regimen, right? And you should too. It makes everybody around you better looking as well. Everybody benefits. The world benefits from you eating those spring rolls. And you should partake of them as often as you can. And get that great restaurant quality hamburger. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, kind of what your preferences are. They've got something that'll scratch that itch. If, if you're not exactly sure what you want, just get the Bulldog Burger. I mean, just a straight ahead American rock and roll hamburger. That classic American taste. It's incredible. But if you want to walk on the wild side a little bit, allow me to make a few suggestions. How about the mission? I get the pico de gallo on the side. I'm not a big onions guy. You may see it differently. And, of course, the pimentology, add bacon, uh, the Boneyard Classic. Have the Bryant, have the Lauren, 
have the Freshman 15. That's been a mainstay. Matter of fact, that's one of the first burgers that I got at Bulldog Burger Company, and I still get it from time to time. I absolutely love it. Uh, the Good Morning Burger is another one that we really like a lot. So go in and find your own favorites. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas, Gloucester Street there in Tupelo, Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go in and let them know that, that we sent you. Cool, cool, for sure. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right. I spent some time today kind of thinking about this. You know, Wednesday show sometimes, you know, we go over SEC stats and that sort of stuff. And, uh, yeah, with the year that we're having, I just don't know how important any of that stuff is right now, to be honest with you. And I thought about it. I was like, hey, are we playing Arkansas next year? I, I kind of hate to see this series, you know, go away. And eventually they will rotate off the schedule. But we are. We are going to host them next year. And uh, so I wanted to run through some of the more memorable games uh, this series, actually, the first time State and Arkansas played was in 1916 in Memphis, Tennessee. I guess that was supposed to be kind of a neutral field, and we just kind of met halfway. It's really a little bit longer of a drive for those guys than it was for us. But uh, State wins that ball game 21-7. to We didn't meet again on the field for 23 more seasons. And, again, it was in Memphis. In 1939, the Bulldogs win 19 to nothing. The first on-campus game came in 1992 when Arkansas joined the league. So we've only played two games as non-conference foes, and the rest of them have been in conference play. But in 92, tough ball game, right? State wins it 10-3. to And one of those things you kind of work through when you're kind of in hindsight, you know, we think about, you know, that Mississippi State 1992 season because they all run together after a while. You know, when you're as old as we are, sometimes you – you remember the really special ones and the really bad ones. You don't always remember the ones that were just kind of in the middle, right? Uh, the 1992 Bulldogs, of course, went 7-5 and five on the year. We uh, get the big win to open up against Texas, which was huge, in Austin. And probably would have been, um, probably would have been a real threat to win the SEC that year. We lose to LSU, and then we had the big game against Florida on Thursday night with Shane Matthews, and State wins that game 30-6, to and we lose Sleepy Robinson in the ballgame. And from there, our SEC hopes, for the most part, were dashed. But uh, we take on Arkansas in Starkville later in the year and win 10-3. to You just got to wonder what could have happened that year if Sleepy had stayed healthy. Of course, State loses to Peach Bowl in North Carolina that year to finish with a 7-5 record. But that Arkansas win was big just because of the fact that, we're, hey, we're having to compete with a backup quarterback. In 1993, we go to Little Rock, Arkansas, and it's a tie ball game. You know, we used to have ties in college sports, and everybody hated them. Nobody ever got excited about a tie. This is one of the last ones in school history. College football began playing the overtime rules in 1996. Uh, so we never had to really deal with that, you know, after that point as you kind of move forward. Uh, 1994, Mississippi State wins again 17-7. So the first five meetings, it took, it took Arkansas until 1995 to finally get a win over Mississippi State. That was a 26-21 win in Little Rock, Arkansas. 1996, they come to Starkville and win, and then they win in Fayetteville in 97. So puts together a three-game winning streak there for the Hogs. And then 1998 was a very special year for us. As you guys know, we, we, we win the SEC Western Division – and we're a real threat to win the SEC championship, and uh, we lose to Tennessee that year. But this Arkansas game was a wild one, and it's one of those games, too, that the score 
is, in, is not truly indicative of how well State played that day. But give the Arkansas defense a ton of credit because State had so many opportunities to kind of put this game away. And we really struggled to do it. We, you know, we, we struggled in many respects uh, to make this game a statement-type game and ultimately ended on a Brian Hazelwood field goal. And uh, Hazelwood was really kind of the, the big deal. You know, Hazelwood was the guy in that game when State couldn't finish drives, Hazelwood was able to put some points on the board for us. There was a big moment in the game we had a chance to put it away early. It was Anthony Derricks picked off a pass and returned it inside the five-yard line. We had to settle for a field goal. It's nuts. Brian Hazelwood had a school record five field goals on the day. And, uh, you know, what's so crazy about this game is Arkansas appeared to be ready to just kind of cruise to the SEC West Championship. And then they had all this crazy game against Tennessee, right? Arkansas had the game won. They were 8-0 and a chance to go back to Atlanta for the second time in four years. And they go and play Tennessee and Knoxville. Clint Sterner fumbles the football late, deep in Arkansas territory. I mean, just kind of, you know, back – back there and just kind of getting ready to go and run this thing out and eat up the final minute on the clock and he stumbles and next thing you know Tennessee is in the end zone and they win the game which set up the opportunity for State to take control of the West now we had control in 97 people forget this Mississippi State simply needed to beat Arkansas and Ole Miss to win the West in 97 and we didn't. We had a tough game out in Fayetteville, or Little Rock, excuse me, against a, a very mediocre Arkansas team. And then we um, lose the Egg Bowl. You know, Corey Peterson, of course, the big two-point conversion, something that uh, most Bulldog fans will never forget. State should have won that game. State really should have beat won the Egg Bowl that year. Uh, give Stuart Patrick and those guys credit for making the big play late. Hazelwood was called on to uh, kick a long field goal to essentially put the game away. And I was, we're asking a bit much. But in 98, we bounced back. Same situation. We needed to beat Arkansas to pull even with them and then also hold a tiebreaker over them. Now, if Arkansas had lost LSU the Friday after Thanksgiving, we'd have won the West. Turns out we didn't need to because we beat Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. But that 98 year was exceptional. Exceptional. One we'll never forget, even though we didn't win it. But we got to go to uh, – Got to go to Atlanta. Here's a post-game comment from former Arkansas coach Houston Knott, who was interviewed for a full chapter in Flim Flam. Maybe you've read that. If you hadn't, check it out. This is a tough and difficult loss. We were very close, and it is just going to be a tough loss to get over. There's a fine line between winning and losing when you get down to this point. Obviously, we couldn't find the line. Pretty impressive. Wayne Matkin. Uh, kind of mediocre on the day, but got it going late. A big play there to Kelvin Love. Matkin was 16 of 31 for 224 yards and threw two picks that allowed Arkansas to kind of creep back in the ballgame. Um, and give Clint Sterner some credit. Big throw to Anthony Lucas. Really, really good, really good wide receiver at Arkansas. Put them ahead late. The next thing you know, we just start making field goals. And the final one, a 27-yarder with seven seconds to go uh, for Brown Hazelwood. That uh, just one of those things, man. It just you, you look at that deal and you just kind of think to yourself, you know, there were so many opportunities for us to put that game away, and we couldn't. And give Arkansas credit; they, they wouldn't give us the satisfaction. They wouldn't lay down. Huge win. We tore the goalpost down. I don't know if we've done it since then. I think that's the last time we've torn the goalpost down, and probably will be the last time that ever happens. 
But State wins 22-21, 22-21. And I'm, I'm going to tell you now, I thought we were going to miss a field goal. And then we nearly did. And 99, we got a little rock. And uh, those guys get us. And it was a tough, tough game offensively. What I remember, the play that sticks out to me is uh, Fred Smoot gets a great pick and uh, gets a, a lengthy return. And it's called back on a phantom block in the back penalty. We lose that ball game 14-9, and ultimately that cost us a chance to go back to Atlanta 99. And the truth of the matter is, losing to Alabama, we lost to them twice. We lost to Alabama the week before, our first loss of the year, and then we go and lay an egg offensively against, uh, against Arkansas and Little Rock. And that basically wrapped it up for Alabama. Of course, uh, you know, we still had some more football left to play, but uh, we were eliminated from the race at that, at that moment. In 2000, and that's the thing, too, we lose that game in 99. Houston not really kind of owned us for a stretch there. Uh, the Razorbacks won in 2000, 2001, 2002, 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007. And then in 2008, Sylvester Kroom breaks the streak, and we beat Arkansas 31-28. You know, Kroom had this big thing about, um, you know, not losing on senior day. It was always a big – no matter who the opponent was, we had to win on senior day. And so you beat Arkansas. And, uh, it, listen, it wasn't a great Arkansas team that year by any stretch of the imagination. But it put State in a position, you know, after going to and winning the Liberty Bowl in 2007, you win this ball game, you think, okay, uh, we're not going to be bowl eligible, but maybe we can end the year with a couple of wins and a little momentum. You know, because, of course, we lose the game to Kentucky earlier that uh, – yeah, Greg Byrne had told me that's when things really began to really began to think about making a coaching change. It was after losing that game to Kentucky. Then we went and played number one Alabama, got beat 32 to 7. We find a way to beat Arkansas. And the thing, if I've memory serves me correctly, uh, Arkansas had a chance at a game time field goal late. And let's look that up to be sure. Let's relive that moment together. I believe Arkansas did have a late field goal attempt that was no good, and that is correct. First and 10 from the uh, Mississippi State 29, a 46-yard field goal attempt from Alex Tejada is wide right. So that's how the game ends. That's how competitive it was. Uh, pretty incredible stuff. But, uh, you know, we had a chance to get, put this game away. But what do you know? What do you know? Onside kick, right? They get it. After it, they go down and score, get the touchdown, do the onside kick. So a pretty furious comeback here in the final few minutes for uh, – you know, for Arkansas. But, um, again, the uh, field goal attempt wide. So, even that game, even though State won it, and it wasn't a whole lot to play for for either team, uh, it was a competitive game for sure. At the end of the game, State was 4-7, and 2-5 and five in the SEC. Arkansas was 4-7, and 1-6 and six in the SEC. The only people that cared about that game were the fans of Mississippi State and Arkansas. I think there's a question about that. But it was good to get a win. It's always good to get a win. And I remember, I remember Hank Adams, our friend Henry Adams, said, uh, hey, man, it's been, it's been a great day. Got my first hog in 10 years. Yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, the Razorbacks Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. 
What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20 minute video explaining step-by-step step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do, I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. All right, Bulldog fans, our friends from Tecovis want to remind you that uh, it's festival season, it's concert season, it's sundress season. Yes, it is. And you know you need some nice boots to go along with every bit of that. And Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western wear. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and so much more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a very time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort, so no break-in period. You know how tough that can be with a brand new pair of boots. You can put these bad boys on and ride that ride with a smile. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with the same level of style. So stop by your local Tecovis store, have a complimentary beverage or two, shop the new styles, the smell of fresh leather, and a friendly staff are always at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience quite like it. If you can't make it to a store, visit Tecovas. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges shipped right to your door. Go to Tecovas dot com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. Let's back at 09 and get us in Little Rock, 42-21. Then get us 38-31 in 2010. Of course, that's those are Dan Mullen teams. And we go to Little Rock and get beat 44-17. 2012, big game, and we needed it in a major way. But 2012 State gets them 45-14. First win for Dan Mullen over Arkansas as a head coach. And the game was not competitive. I don't know if you remember much about this game. Because that 2012 year, we kind of forget. It's like we remember the early, we remember 2010 with Mullen, and we remember 2013 because so many of you wanted him fired. Um, but a lot of times we forget about 2012. You know, I remember that that's the year when we win the Music City Bowl, and he goes, "Hey, we're Music City Bowl champions. We won a championship." And people are like, well, "Why do you call it a championship?" He said, "Well, you know, they, they give you a, a trophy at the end of the year that says champions." Yeah. So 2000, excuse me, that, that was the wrong year. Pardon me. 2012 is the year we lose um, 
you know, against Northwestern. And, and that's the season, if you recall, that's the We Believe year. So that's what you remember, right? Uh, but we're able to get Arkansas uh, 45 to 14. Really big uh, you know, win, good offensive day for the Bulldogs. Uh, looking at your numbers here from that game, Tyler Russell was 19 of 32 for 274 yards. And uh, a guy that was just kind of running gadget plays, Dak Prescott was 2 of 2 for 28. Darius Perkins went for 91 yards. Chad Bumpus, now coach Chad Bumpus, had six receptions for 82 yards and two touchdowns. Bulldog defense, uh, pretty good day as well. But we win the game, and uh, it's just one of those things that just kind of hides in memory because, uh, you know, the next week we lost the, the egg ball. So many of us have uh, tried to block that out. A game that State had opportunities, you know. And uh, I remember Cam Lawrence had the big pick early in the ball game to kind of set us up in good position. And we had a kickoff return for touchdown. But not a lot else happened good in that ball game. 2013, this is the year, too, that Dan Mullen was really coaching for his job at Mississippi State. And this is the Nico Whitley game. You remember what I'm talking about, Nico Whitley? Arkansas is driving down about to put this thing away. Wasn't a great Arkansas team either. It wasn't. And that's the thing you look at sometimes, too. It's like there are a lot of people in Arkansas that think they're, you know, that. They should never lose to the Mississippi schools. Well, they've done it with great regularity. Of course, State's won eight of the last 11. But State wins this game in overtime. But, again, the reason we call it the, uh, the, the Nico Whitley game is because late in that game, like you look up here, and, guys, the game is essentially over. Right, we're down 17-10 to 10 in the fourth quarter, and they're just kind of eating up clock. And they're just rolling down, rolling down. And you, and you know if they kick a field goal – and this thing's over. You know it is. As bad as we played offensively, it just was one of those things that happened. But 17-10, and um, we get in the fourth quarter. And sometimes my memory fails me, so you have to forgive me. So State scores on a Jamie Lewis touchdown to make it 17-17. And then we have a chance. We don't, we don't execute. We end up having to punt it back to them. And uh, here it is. Here's the play. It's 7-16. Arkansas begins to drive at their own 16-yard line. Alex Collins, guy was a tremendous player at Arkansas. 22 yards, six yards, and then Brandon Allen completes it to Jeremy Sprinkle, a tight end that Mississippi State offered him, likely would have gotten if Arkansas hadn't offered him. But 44 yards down to the MSU 12. Guys, the game's over, right? That's what you think. Alex Collins and runs for three yards inside the State 10, and Nico Whitley rips it out of there and covers the fumble because they're just going to eat this clock down as much as they can and take the go-ahead score. And uh, so we pull it out of there, and then we put together a great drive. We're going down the field. Things are great. We're going to take a last-second attempt here, 42-yard attempt from Devin Bell to win the game, and we miss. We missed. We missed. Arkansas, you know, Gets ready to you know, run this thing down overtime here. And uh, Damian Williams, one of the biggest highlights of his Bulldog career, runs on the very first play is Tyler Russell, who was an absolute warrior in this ballgame. You know, Dak, of course, been hurt. Tyler had been hurt. Damian Williams comes in and really leads his team to victory. First play of overtime, we run off right side, and he's in for 25 yards. 
Arkansas gets their opportunity to go, and uh, Tavez Calhoun on fourth and nine steps in front of a Brandon Allen pass and returns at 48 yards. The game was over when it was all said and done. And State wins 24-17. And here's some significance about that game, too. It is the first time in the history of Mississippi State football that we won a game in the state of Arkansas. Maybe you knew that, maybe you didn't. But it was. Because, you know, those games that we won early on were played in Memphis. And for some reason, and maybe it was because of the fact that they thought it would be easier for us, but of course the Arkansas folks will tell you the reason they played so many games in Little Rock was uh, political reasons. It's the last time we've played them in Little Rock and State with a 24-17 victory. And of course in 2014, uh, Arkansas, a much better team, and maybe the record didn't truly indicate how good they were that year. But, you know, State, number one in the country, and we get down in that ball game and uh, give Arkansas some credit, man. It was like they were trying to shorten the game on us because they knew they couldn't score with us. And so the game plan was like, let's just take the air out of the ball. And this Arkansas team, again, guys, they were 4-4. Four and four. You know, they had not won an SEC game. And they come in here and they take a 3 nothing lead and all of a sudden you look up at the half and it's 10-7. to seven. And what's interesting about that too is before State even got on the board – Arkansas was up 10 nothing, and the game was just kind of getting away from us. There's no question about it. And uh, we put a lengthy drive together. Josh gets in the end zone, and uh, it just felt like the whole game it was this weird vibe. You just, we just simply couldn't slow them down in many respects between the 20s. And, uh, you know, we weren't in a situation where, you know, we could really get out and stretch our legs a little bit. That, that, that Arkansas secondary played well against us. And, again, it wasn't a great Arkansas team. I remember Jared Cornelius, too. What a great player he was for Arkansas. Keon Hatcher. They had some offensive skill, but for some reason the run, the wins just didn't come that year. And the play that you remember, and you know as you know, sure as I'm sitting here, you know, it's um, it's the pass to uh, Fred Ross, right? Arkansas somehow lets him get loose, and Dak finds him for 69 yards. Nice for a touchdown, and then late in the game, Arkansas refused to yield. They drive down the field, drive down the field, drive down the field. Hunter Henry, of course, making play after play after play. Brandon Allen gets a little bit greedy here and tries to throw the fade, and Will Redmond cuts underneath and makes the pick to secure the victory, and uh, Mississippi State retained their number one ranking in the country. It was a big win. It was a big win because, if memory serves me correct, it was our first game ever as a number one team. 2015, a classic game, probably the coldest I've ever been in my life, in Fayetteville, Arkansas. First time I'd ever seen a game in Fayetteville. It's downright cozy in Razorback Stadium. I'll just tell you, now this is even before the renovation. Uh, it is. It's a, it's a cozy little venue. I say little, I'm not, I don't mean that to be disrespectful. But, uh, but I like it. I mean, I do. I, I like the fact that the crowd is – Right there. You know, it's, uh, it's great. This game was so great that at the end of the, uh, the weekend, they decided to name Dak Prescott and Brandon Allen co-SEC Offensive Players of the Week. The game went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and it felt like we were about to lose the game. And then Beniquez Brown knifes inside, blocks the field goal, and, and said in postgame there was something that he saw in their field goal alignment that they felt that they could exploit if given the opportunity. And then here it was. And it wasn't even close. I mean, Beniquez Brown just beats him inside. 
comes clean and blocks it. And uh, it was an emotional night, and it was a game that we felt like, I'm sure Arkansas fans went away and said, hey, we let one get away. Guys, State had a chance to put this game away and give those guys some credit. And, of course, uh, you know Dan Enos was the offensive coordinator in that game for Arkansas. Different personnel, different head coach, but Enos was the play caller. And uh, he's now back at Arkansas now. But uh, that's one of those games I'll never forget. Not just because I was cold, but I think I've shared this story with you guys before. At halftime, I just kind of follow some of the other photographers to just try to go get some warmth. And lo and behold, I look up and I'm in the, the Razorbacks uh, football locker room. Yeah. And so I get ready to go and a security guard's like, no, 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 you just stay here. Stay here and warm up. So I got to hear Belima address the team and talk about, uh, you know, hey, seniors, you, know, you hadn't had a win over these guys. This is one's going to matter for the rest of your life. It's a pretty incredible experience. No matter who you cheer for, to be able to witness a halftime motivational speech by SEC head coach, pretty cool memory. I'm really happy to have had that. 2016, that's the year of the uh, sermonitis. Arkansas didn't punt in the game. Nick Fitzgerald kind of overshadowed. Nick had an amazing game. We lose the game 58-42, and uh, Belima ends up going for two late in the ball game, kind of rubbing it in Dan Mullen's face. 2017, big, big game for State. We went up there, and Arkansas, again, had not had a great year by any stretch. And we just kind of hung around and hung around, let them hang around. It was one of those dreary November days in Fayetteville where the sky is gray and it feels like there's mist everywhere. We win the game 28-21. And uh, the big play in the game was the double move touchdown pass from Nick Fitzgerald to Reggie Todd. Dedrick Thomas, of course, with a big touchdown late. I think State got away with a pass interference on on the last uh, Arkansas offensive play, to be honest with you. In the moment, your emotions are like, I don't know, he's clean, he's clean. But you go back and look at it later, like, oh, yeah, I think, we, think that we might have gotten him there. The next two years, I, again, I've said this before, I don't know what Chad Morris ever did to upset Joe Moorhead, but Joe absolutely made Chad his stepchild. 52-6 to six in Starkville. And uh, I don't know that it was even, that's, that score is even indicative of how State dominated that game. This is the game, too, if you remember, uh, that some Arkansas players asked some Mississippi State cheerleaders for like their Instagram and their Snapchat, and he ends up getting back at Chad Morris. And uh, it lo- looks like the only scoring that Arkansas did that day was uh, maybe none at all. I don't know that they scored with our cheerleaders either. And I don't mean that in a, in a derogatory sense, but I don't think they got the attention they were seeking. And then they got a 46-point drubbing in the game. Uh, the next year, again, State wins 54-24 up there, and that's the you know, Tommy Stevens comes in. He's a surprise starter. Garrett Schrader was, quote, unavailable in the game. And Garrett had kind of taken the job. Tommy had been banged up all year. Tommy had a really good ball game. Uh, K.J. Jefferson comes in late, kind of does some things for them offensively, kind of exciting the crowd. Marcus Murphy had a big pick six in that game. I think three quarterbacks played for Arkansas when it's all said and done. But, again, 54-24, and that's, again, what, what State just kind of – going through the motions late in the ballgame. 2020, that's the first win of the Sam Pittman era. It comes in Starkville. And, again, a game that State dominated offensively, but we just couldn't get in the end zone. Felipe Franks is a quarterback for Arkansas, the former Florida transfer, came in, had, did some good things, but, you know, wasn't a dominant uh, game by the Arkansas offense in any, any stretch of imagination. But you remember Greg Brooks from Bulldog Commitment steps in front of a K.J. Costello pass, takes it back. Kyle Hill gets knocked out of the game. 
uh, was concussed. And State still should have won the game. It's a, we had so many opportunities. We turned it over on downs two times deep in Arkansas territory, and we lose by seven. And Arkansas hadn't won an SEC game in over two years. And this is the week after we'd beaten LSU, and we're thinking, hey, the Air Raid and Mike Leach, and we're going to take the league by storm. And then we go out there, and just K.J. Costello absolutely melted against Barry Odom's defense. Barry's like, you know what, we're just going to drop eight, make him read defenses. Little did we know, he couldn't read defenses. You go man-to-man coverage, we'd eat you live with K.J. Costello, but um, otherwise, not so much. Our last trip to Fayetteville was uh, 2021. And uh, a game that we feel like we should have won. We get down 10-0 in that ball game, come back, and again, Will Rogers with the big drive late to give State the lead. We just simply needed to get a stop, and we couldn't. And, of course, again, that's the game with the uh, fourth and one holding call on Martin Emerson that was questionable, to say the least. That extended the drive, and K.J. takes full advantage. And uh, give Will Rogers credit. He goes and puts us back in the field goal range, a big completion to Austin Williams. And then – you know, we missed three field goals on the day. Noah McCord missed that one. It wasn't close. Um, not going to be disrespectful to any kid that wore the maroon and white, but you you miss three field goals and then lose by a field goal. It's difficult. It's difficult to look at that and say, yeah, yeah, played pretty well. Well, Rogers played well, but special teams that year was a complete disaster for us. Last year, State absolutely destroyed Arkansas 40 to 17. And again, I don't think it's indicative of how dominant the game really was. KJ didn't play. And again, we didn't find out until uh, until game time. We did. We suspect that he wasn't going to play. But a 40-17 win for the Bulldogs. And uh, kind of looking back at some of the uh, historical numbers here, you know, uh, State's longest win streak has been four. And, of course, uh, Houston, nothing. those guys had a nine-game winning streak against us. Uh, back in 2003, Arkansas beat us 52-6. to We beat them by the identical score of 52-6 in 2018. It's kind of an, an anomaly when you, when you break it all down. It's pretty interesting, to say the least. Uh, but that's the series. And, again, I, I like it. I, I like playing Arkansas. I, I, not just because of the fact that, that we do win almost as much as we lose. Arkansas holds an 18-14-1 record all-time against Mississippi State. But State's won eight of the last 11. And so, again, I think there are a lot of people that look at this and say, hey, from a resource standpoint, Arkansas should be closer to Alabama and farther away from Mississippi State. I think a lot of it is – I think it's recruiting. I think Arkansas and Mississippi State appeal to the same caliber of recruits. I know Arkansas fans would like to think that they're LSU, Alabama. That's just not the reality. And it doesn't matter what you put in facilities. I just don't – I think Arkansas, because of the fact it's not Tuscaloosa. And it's not Baton Rouge. And I like Northwest Arkansas. And I think maybe perhaps they begin to recruit at a better rate. But, you know, Houston not did a great job recruiting over in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And I think that's where that, you know, where things come from. Just because of the fact the state of Arkansas does not produce a ton of Power 5 players. So I think our recruiting footprints are, are, are similar. And so you, you kind of get comparable talent. I mean, the fact that, you know, K.J. Jefferson is the face of that program. is a guy from Mississippi, Right. And you got to think, too, you know, if, if Joe wasn't so, uh, you know, bent up on Garrett Schrader, does Mississippi State get K.J. Jefferson? You know, we were told even back then K.J. had no interest to be part of a two-quarterback class. And uh, I know we made it difficult on Arkansas if we continue to pursue him late, but uh, K.J. wanted to go be the guy, and he has been. I'm a K.J. fan. Uh, I really am. Wish him success against um, in 11 games every single year, some more than others, right? Uh, but – 
it's been a great series. It, it's been very entertaining. Again, there's some games you look at that are kind of nondescript, and then when we start talking, we're like, oh, I remember that. But when you look at the great years that State has had over the years, more times than not, it's included a win over Arkansas, right? I mean, that's when, we've, when we have played well, we traditionally beat Arkansas. When we don't, they typically win. And again, we have played some games between us when neither of us had much to play for other than pride as we just kind of illustrated on this. But, uh, but yeah, I'm eager to get back up there. And, again, we'll preview the game on Friday. But I think it's going to be another competitive game. Uh, and I'll explain more about that on Friday, about uh, some things that I've seen that I think that maybe perhaps that uh, we can exploit. Bottom line is we've got to play defense. If State plays defense in this game, and the Arkansas offense at times uh, has, has helped in that regard. I mean, in the last week, even against Alabama, granted you're playing – a very talented Alabama defense. There were some times in the Arkansas-Alabama game that uh, offensively they, were, they left some, some yards and points and first downs on the field. So uh, they're going to help us a little bit. we got to help ourselves the most. I don't think Arkansas is going to lose the game. Mississippi State's got to find a way to go out and win it. All right, time for today's top ten list. As always, brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R. Com. Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional. Blair's a guy that knows how to get things done. Simple as that. So let me tell you this. Give Blair a text or call today because you could entrust your mortgage in the hands of the wrong person. So let me lead you in the right direction. Blair's personal cell number is 601-500-2344. Again, that's 601-500-2344. And let them know your needs. Will you looking to buy a home, refinance a home? I don't know what you're looking to do, but Blair will know how to help you navigate through that process. Blair's been in the industry for 22 years, now works a priority one mortgage. It's a guy that knows how to get things done. It shouldn't be a stressful undertaking. It already is because there's so much required. So entrust your mortgage and your mortgage concerns into the hands of a true mortgage professional. That's Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com. All right, we're going to get a little silly today. And uh, by being silly, we're going to bring in some classic bands to talk about a topic. You know, we're playing Arkansas. And uh, I didn't know until I began to write on the Internet way back in the, uh, gosh, in the 90s, uh, you know, back when we all had to dial up modem and everything, and things were just completely different back then. But um, I'm dating myself, and that's okay because I'm old. I'm experienced. I'm a veteran of, uh, you know, the social media wars. But uh, I, I didn't know. I used to write, and I would reference Arkansas as you pig. They don't like that, just so you know. They don't like being referred to as you pig. And so we're going to do songs about pigs today, not to irritate our friends in northwest Arkansas, but because it fits. It just simply fits, right? So we're playing Arkansas. We did the Rock of Arkansas last year when we played them, and there haven't been a lot of new bands come out of Arkansas since then. So... I thought, hey, let's just have some fun. So for you Arkansas fans that are listening, and I know many of our opposing fans do from time to time, no disrespect is intended, but you guys are the Razorbacks, you're the Hogs, you're part of the Porcine family. So as a result, this list is dedicated to you. It's not, there's not any songs that are negative about the state of Arkansas or negative about pigs, not literal pigs, right? There's some songs about uh, maybe police officers that um, – that made our list. But here we go. Top 10 songs about 
Pigs, uh, making their debut on the top 10 list. Now, for those of you that stand in line and get like, uh, you know, your soy latte, extra cream, uh, low fat, no carb, half sugar, mocha, special edition latte at Starbucks and listen to Green Day, this band's probably going to hurt your ears because they're really a punk band. It's not the Sex Pistols. It's the Plasmatics with the incredibly talented Wendy O'Williams. It's a song called A Pig is a Pig, and it takes a swing at journalism, at authority, and law enforcement. Uh, and listen, we, we back the blue here. Don't get me wrong. But we still can appreciate a good song, even if it doesn't always align with our values. So A Pig is a Pig by the Plasmatics, number 10. Number 9, also a band I don't think we've ever talked about on the show. It's Gore. Do you remember Gore? Yeah. I mean, they're, they're more theatrical, and uh, it's kind of a uh, tongue-in-cheek type deal. But Gore rocks, man. They do. They had a great track. And I don't know if they're Arkansas fans, but they said, I love the pigs. That's your number nine song. I love the pigs from Gore. Number eight, a song that has been on our list before. I could have rated this one higher because I love it, and I love the claymation video that went along with it. It's the band Green Jelly's Three Little Pigs. Because Little Pig, Little Pig, let me in. I'm not going to do it. I started to. I'm going to back away from it. But not by the hair on my chinny-chin-chin. But they use their falsetto. I'm not going to do that here on the show because I don't want somebody sending me back a clip making fun of me. I'm very very sensitive. I'm a delicate little flower. Uh, But Green Jelly's Three Little Pigs. absolutely love it, man. It's such a great take. And very humorous take on the classic nursery rhyme about the Three Little Pigs. Number seven, from the White Album, it's the Beatles, a George Harrison penned song called Piggies. And uh, again, it's you know about negative people within our society or people that are perceived to have a negative uh, you know, influence on society. Number six, a band that Dave Grohl went out and played drums for on a tour not too terribly long ago. I say that, you know, I'm, again, that's probably been... 10, 15 years now. But it's Queens of the Stone Age, and it's Run, Pig, Run. And I think, it seems like I remember seeing some of those signs, Run, Pig, Run, in the crowd at Arkansas. I know when um, Houston Nut was there, they were really big on the running game. Seems like I've seen it before, so don't get upset with me for your sign. Number five, a band that I don't know that this new generation fully embraces. And this is a a rap act that... um, I love. We could do a top 10 Cypress Hill list in like five minutes. We could. I don't know if we've done Cypress Hill. Maybe Roy can check for us. But Cypress Hill, man, be real when those guys, incredible. Incredible. And, of course, they have a song about the police called Pigs. Cypress Hill. The introduction, of course, is like the uh, police scanner, you know. You're kind of identifying the guys in Cypress Hill as potential suspects and wrongdoing. Uh, but it's great, Cypress Hill. Probably my favorite Cypress Hill song is Rockstar. I know some of you may see that differently, but uh, Insane in the Membrane is probably up there pretty high, too. Uh, but, yeah, there you go. Four, excuse me, five pigs from Cypress Hill. Uh, number four, some of you may have this number one. You know I'm not the big Pink Floyd fan. They, got a, they have like a trilogy about pigs. They clearly love pigs. Uh, but if you've, if you've listened to Pink Floyd, you understand it's really kind of a play on words. But it's Pigs from Pink Floyd at number four. I know many of you love Pink Floyd. I don't know that I can really listen to Pink Floyd without being under the influence, right? I mean, just not that I'm advocating 
I'm just telling you, I think every time that I listened to Pink Floyd, I was not completely sober. Number three, a band that uh, really kind of revolutionized music in many respects, and I don't know that this generation fully appreciates that. Uh, Perry Farrell and Jane's Addiction's Pigs and Zen. Great, great, great song. And uh, if you've got nothing shocking, if you've got uh, ritual, D-Lo habitual, you need to get a little bit deeper too. There's some cool things that happened uh, with Perry Farrell. And, uh, you know, we've got the, uh, the VHS around here somewhere, Soul Kiss. And there's a scene in there where Perry shoots a bottle rocket inside his apartment that bounces back and hits him. But, uh, yeah, Jane's Addiction and Perry Farrell, of course, uh, they, they introduced Lollapalooza and the, the festival in the United States for alternative rock music. Much, much, much different deal. Nowadays, it seems it's a festival every weekend. It wasn't always like that. And Perry Farrell, in many respects, was a pioneer. Number two, my second favorite song about pigs. From a, a band, and we say, we say it's a band, but it's really Trent Reznor, right? Nine Inch Nails. And if you don't know the reference, according, you know, back in the day, coffin nails were nine inches. And so that's the reference there, in case you didn't know. I used to have an NIN sticker on like three vehicles. Big Nine Inch Nails guy and uh, discovered them really before they took off. A friend of a friend, you know, one of those deals where I was out, you know, chasing the wicked sensation. And uh, before Trent Reznor had a major record deal, I got a copy of Pretty Hate Machine before it became nationally recognized. And uh, immediately put it in the car. It was a cassette. It was a black cassette which was the cool thing back then. You know, you had the regular brown cassettes. Then you had the clear ones, and the names always rubbed off. This was a black one, a black cassette, which um, is indicative of Trent Reznor's heart. And immediately I said, you know what? This is something completely different. This is what I want to do with my musical career. I want to do stuff like this. You've got the rock edge, but also to kind of true to the scent a little bit. Uh, but it's March of the Pigs. That's your number two song, March of the Pigs. Number one, and I don't know how we could have a list without pigs without having this song on there. And uh, it is a song that I've sung at karaoke before. I can pull this off. I can. I, it's just that long guitar solo when you sit there for so long. Just kind of everybody looking at you all awkwardly. And it goes on for minutes and minutes and minutes. And, you know, Jacob's Ladder and all that kind of stuff. You just kind of sit there and you sit there. But it's, uh, it's War Pigs by Black Sabbath. Because generals gathered in their masses just like witches. At black masses, right? I mean, it's like, okay, we're writing a song here. What rhymes with masses? How about masses? Oh, there we go. Let's go. So War Pigs, number one on our top 10 list of songs about pigs. And uh, I've had pigs in my life before. Uh, Dana and I's first two uh, children, in many respects, were um, a couple of uh, pot-bellied pigs. And we loved them. Dana bought me one. We named, named her Doc even though she was female, and then named her Doc, and she was great. And I felt that sometimes Doc was a little bit lonely, so on Dana's birthday, I went and bought her a blue-eyed pig, and we called her Sundance. So we had Doc Holiday and the Sundance pig, because we're extra like that. But I love those pigs, and I often wonder what happened to them when I ended up moving to Louisiana. Uh, my brother took them to some friends of theirs that had also had some pot-bellied pigs, so they had a family, you know. So happy to know they went to a good place, but... Um, yeah, it was a little different. It was a crazy time in my life. I loved those pigs, but I got ready to move to Louisiana and uh, begin my new life out there. I couldn't just bring the pigs with me. Sometimes I regret that, but I was living with my mother-in-law, and she wasn't going to allow the pigs to come. 
And shortly thereafter, we end up getting pregnant and have uh, Ani. And he was kind of a pig himself. So our tribute to the pigs is now complete. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out, let me know. The best way to do that is to hit up Roy on Twitter at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And uh, I'm on all forms of social media, at Scout Steve R. You can find our great list on Spotify under Roy's handle of Dogmatic67. I have a lot of people that hit me up on Facebook and Twitter with ideas. I do my best to read them all and share them with Roy. But there are some sometimes that are, I need a little more information. And um, I get busy, and I'll forget to ask for it. But um, I've had some requests, too, about, like, my favorite horror movies. I just don't know how we make a music list out of that. I do know that they're – I'm kicking this around about, uh, you know, when rock went horror movie-ish. You know, we could work some you know, some Rob Zombie or some Gene Simmons and things into that. I mean, of course, the, uh, the great movie Trick or Treat had Gene Simmons as a part of it, and that, that was an all-rock soundtrack. So we'll figure some things out. And I uh, had some people hit me up about, uh, you know, modern day blues songs and things like that, or rock songs that are kind of rooted in the blues that takes a little research. I and mean, basically, we get to sit down and make a Led Zeppelin list. We wanted to do that. But I do enjoy doing the list, and I appreciate everybody that reaches out. And um, so here we go. So make sure that uh, you send it in, and uh, we may get to it. We've done so many of these. I, I scarcely know where to begin some weeks. And we're always trying to find interesting ideas. So we depend on you, the Boneyard listener, to help us with that. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Starkvillian institution. Campus Bookmart has been doing business for a long, long time here in Starkville, Mississippi. If you're looking for Mississippi State merchandise, look no further than Campus Bookmart. Next time you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces. They're available, yeah, for sure. And they'll treat you like family because in their mind you are family. Neatly positioned on the backside of campus, you just take that turn off of 182, right at the trooper station, follow it on around on the left-hand side just before you get to Mississippi State's amazing campus. There's Campus Book March. You go in there and find everything you need to kind of outfit your family, your home, your pet, your RV, your office, whatever you have. If you need anything Mississippi State-related, more times than not, you can find it at Campus Book March. If you can't Make it to town, or perhaps game day is not a good shopping day for you. Hit them up on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. All right, as I mentioned earlier, Justin Frommer uh, is over in Birmingham as it's the SEC tip-off. The men today, the ladies tomorrow... Everything got underway a little bit earlier with, um, you know, Todd Golden and then uh, Rick Barnes, Lamont Paris, Chris Bird, Mike White, White, excuse me, John Calipari at 12.55, then Buzz Williams. Uh, that's going to run for a little while. <laughs> then there's the, uh, they're going to they're gonna air all this on the network, but uh, Chris Jansen's comments will run at 6.40 Eastern tonight. So 5.40 Mississippi State time. We hope to have a story up before then. Uh, the ladies go tomorrow, just so you know. But, uh, yeah, Justin's over there today, so we hope to have, uh, you know, some content for you over at Gene's page uh, this evening, kind of what Chris Jans had to say. And, uh, again, it's our first year covering uh, media days over there. And uh, happy to do it, for sure. So we'll see how things go. And uh, Greg Sankey spoke earlier and at length about recruiting and about the NIL. And, and uh, you know, that's going to continue to be a topic until we get some regulation, you know, there was uh, you know, some congressional hearings 
just uh, yesterday on the topic. And as uh, one legislator came out and said, if we don't fix this now, a year from now, college athletics is going to be unrecognizable. I would argue that it already is. But we're not going to spend a lot of time talking about that. Let's look at the SEC men's basketball media poll. We'll check that out now. Number 14, South Carolina. Number 13, Coach uh, McMahon there at LSU. You know, last year, uh, you know, they – we're very, 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 very poor. Uh, it's LSU, number 13. Number 12 is Georgia. Of course, uh, you know, Georgia trying to turn some things around up there. And then Coach Stackhouse and Vanderbilt is are 11. Ole Miss, 10. Missouri at 9. Florida at 8. And then there's your Bulldogs right there in the meaty part of the curve in the middle of the pack at 7th. Just ahead of us is Auburn at 6, Alabama 5, and uh, – much different Alabama team this year than uh, last year. But, you know, you know, as sure as I'm sitting here, they're going to be chunking it from the cheap seats. Not going to change what they do. They just don't have the same level of personnel they did a year ago. Kentucky picked fourth. There was a time when Kentucky would never have been picked fourth in this league. Arkansas, three. I like this Razorback team. And, listen, I don't care what you think. Uh, Arkansas fans turn out and support the Razorback basketball team. They absolutely do. They have an insatiable appetite uh, for men's basketball. Very committed there. And A&M, number two, maybe a bit of a surprise to many people. A&M, of course, you know, last year uh, took some strides. But I don't think anybody expected to be picked pick second this year. And then number one, Tennessee, expected to win the SEC this year. Coach uh, Rick Barnes doing a great job up there. All right, your preseason SEC player of the year, Wade Taylor the fourth from A&M, a six-foot, 175-pound guard, junior from Dallas, Texas. Your preseason All-SEC first team, and there's more than five players, so we'll just run the list down here for you. Uh, Grant Nelson from Alabama, Trevon Brazil from Arkansas, uh, Johnny Broom from Auburn, Justin Edwards, Kentucky, and then Tolu Smith from Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. Of course, Tolu's going to miss the first half of the season, going to miss non-conference but a first-team All-SEC selection. Santiago Vescova from Tennessee, from Montevideo, Uruguay, back for his uh, fifth year, and then Wade Taylor, of course. Your preseason All-SEC second team, uh, Mark Sears from Alabama, Devontae Davis from Arkansas, former Mississippi State commitment, Riley Kugel at Florida, Antonio Rees from Kentucky, uh, and Zakai Ziegler from Tennessee. That, those are your selections. And, uh, so of course, the Bulldogs represented by Tolu Smith. And, again, we'll be without his services for a while. I don't think it's one of those deals where you just say the season is crushed. We just need him to get back and be healthy in time for conference play. We're going to have to do a good job. We are. And, and again, I have a lot of faith in this staff, eager to see uh, kind of how things go. And you look back last year, it's one of those deals you begin to think about. You know, we were definitely ahead of schedule last year. I think we all agreed – if we just found a way to get into the NIT last year in year one, you can say, but Steve, Ben Howen did it regularly. Well, yeah, but, you know, Chris Jan's coming in, instituting his own system and philosophy, uh, had to work hard to kind of put this roster together. But I think it's fair to say we finished ahead of schedule. Stayed 8-10 and 10 last year in the SEC and finished 21-13. and 13, Made the play-in game for the NCAA tournament. And uh, for you, John Q, self-loathing Bulldog fan, well, that's not the tournament. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. It's like we always want to diminish anything that we have. But, uh, but all that understood, you know, you, you look at, like, this year, you know, the teams that are kind of carrying over. You know, last year, 
in the standings, your bottom four, Georgia, South Carolina, Ole Miss, LSU, just the order was different. And then Arkansas finished 8-10 and 10, just like Mississippi State did, now picked in the top four in the league. Vanderbilt, of course, 11-7 and seven last year. Losing a little bit. But A&M finished second last year. Uh, I think for me, and, and maybe I haven't followed the Aggie basketball team closely enough, I thought last year may have proven to be a bit of an outlier. And uh, I thought, well, you know, you know, we'll see how things progress here. Because I really thought at times last year they just kind of had a favorable schedule. But, you know, you can't knock 15-3 and three in the SEC. And they proved to be a very formidable opponent down the stretch. But it really was a two-team race last year. I mean, it truly was. And, uh, of course, A&M with some big wins down the stretch to kind of legitimize themselves. And now they're back. A lot of expectations around the program. No question about it. The women's side of things, you may have seen Robbie Fox report yesterday. Your Mississippi State women's basketball team ranked number 25 in the preseason AP poll. And, of course, uh, Bulldogs hadn't been ranked, according to Robbie, uh, since uh, late 2021. You, we used to be a mainstay in that poll. And, uh, I, again, I, getting Sam Purcell, you know, a guy that's a uh, big recruiting background, has kind of rejuvenated some interest here. And so I'm eager to see what this team looks like. Because last year, you know, by and large, he played with somebody else's players. This year he's had a chance uh, to make some adjustments. And, uh, of course, we're all chasing South Carolina. No question about that, too. Uh, LSU, defending NAFL champions preseason number one, and, and as well they should be. What's interesting, they didn't win the SEC last year. They lose the game to South Carolina. The Gamecocks, a perfect 16-0 and in the regular season and look to be really, you know, skating towards an AFL championship and then they lose in the tournament and end up with a 36-1 and overall record and don't win the title. LSU finished second in the SEC and then they win the whole shoot match. Uh, so looking at the women's side of things, Vanderbilt is picked 14th. Kentucky, 13th. Auburn, Coach Johnny Harris, 12th. Missouri, 11. I remember those big games of Missouri and South Carolina a few years ago. I mean, you tuned in to watch it, right? Because we were all so, so in tune with what was happening in women's basketball. But um, pretty incredible to see it kind of fallen. Florida at 10. And how is Florida consistently this bad at women's basketball? I mean, honest to goodness. With their recruiting footprint and their resources, I don't know that anybody should be satisfied at Florida with Florida ever being picked in the bottom half of the league in any sport. Alabama is nine, according to the SEC media. Texas A&M is eight. Georgia, seven. Arkansas is six. Your Bulldogs, fifth. Just ahead of Mississippi State is Ole Miss at four. Coach Yo and, uh, and the, the Rebels, of course, had a big year last year. Tennessee is three. South Carolina, two. LSU, one. So uh, the league finished last year with South Carolina on top, LSU second, and then Tennessee third. And it's going to begin in a similar manner other than LSU and South Carolina uh, flipping spots there. Looking at the uh, preseason All-SEC teams, and Mississippi State is represented here, your preseason SEC Player of the Year is Angel Reese from LSU. Probably no surprise there. Three Tigers on the All-SEC first team. Um, pretty impressive, to say the least. Uh, the Bulldogs represented on the second team by Jessica Carter. And we need Jessica Carter to play well, for sure. Absolutely for sure. Uh, so, again, you know, here we are. But, again, expectations beginning to rise for Coach Sam Purcell's team. And when you begin to work through, you know, you think about scheduling and you think about, uh, you know, can this team advance farther in the dance than we did last year? 
I wouldn't say that we were ahead of schedule. I think last year we expected the women to make the tournament. I think that's a fair assessment. I know that I, that's what I thought. I thought the women were more likely to make the tournament than the men. And then they both make it. And, of course, uh, you know, the ladies, again, get the play-in game and then go win a game, right? So you get the play-in game, the, quote, first four against Illinois. State wins that game 70-56. And then in South Bend, Indiana, you take down Creighton, the sixth seed. And then gave Notre Dame absolutely all they wanted. We almost made the Sweet 16. I mean, we're a couple of baskets away from the Sweet 16 a year ago. And you go into South Bend, Indiana, and you look up at that game late in the ball game, and it's like, man, State wasn't scared. And I don't think they'll be scared this year either. Uh, so a, a very solid stride on both the men and the women's side last year. And uh, I, I don't know that I would say that the major accomplishment, you know, I think anytime that you advance – in the NCAA tournament, no matter your expectations, you're going to look at that and say, you know what, hey, we thought we'd make it. We ended up winning a couple of games, even though one of them is a play-in game. We made the round of 32. Probably you look at that and say, you know, we at least met expectations, may have actually exceeded a little bit. I think the men's side, most people didn't expect that team to make the tournament, and we do. So I would say that's a little bit more, again, a little more ahead of schedule. On the women's side this year, when you look at this roster, and uh, again, I think women's basketball is fun again here at Mississippi State. But when you look at this non-conference schedule, this team should not be challenged until we go to Houston, Texas on November 24th uh, to take on Clemson. And that's the first Power 5 opponent that you're going to see. Um, and it's going to be on a neutral floor. You know, Of course, we're going we're gonna to tr- head to Belmont before we go there. We're going to play Belmont in Nashville. But uh, you're going to chance to see the uh, Bulldogs play, I guess, five games at Humphrey Coliseum before they hit the road. But it's going to be interesting because it's – I don't think this is an especially you know, challenging non-conference schedule. But in women's basketball, it's – you never truly know. I mean, like on the men's side, there's a lot of really good mid-major programs. Uh, it's getting better on the women's side as well. But we have learned the hard way. Anytime that you've got to go into somebody else's gym – or go play somebody on a neutral floor outside of the confines of your own program, uh, things can be a little bit dicey. I think that's a fair fair way to look at it, you know. Uh, and so, again, we'll hit the road and play Clemson. And, um, you know, last year when they lose to Florida in the final game of the year, but um, uh, by 10, and, and again, Florida wasn't great. But uh, Clemson 19-16 and 16 overall last year and 7-11 in their conference so that's a team, obviously, that uh, will be hungry and eager to play a Mississippi State squad and kind of test themselves a little bit too. But it's a game you hope that you're able to win. About, and that's not a hot take by any stretch of imagination. But that little three-game tournament out there, Clemson, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Tulsa, all three games. Uh, so those of you that are in southwest Texas, please turn out and support the Bulldogs. It's going to be uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, um, you know, a chance to kind of get out there, and uh, we have a great group of alumni in Houston, Texas. So I know they'll turn out and be a part of that. And then, of course, uh, Miami, UT Chat. I mean, we, we got some we got some games here. You look at that we should win without a lot of trouble. But there's some other games too that'll test us before we get into conference play. So you know, what are reasonable expectations? I, I think both of these teams should make a tournament this year. But of course, there's the qualifier with Tolu, right? I mean, we can ill afford to drop some non-conference games that are going to be, you know, net killers just because of the fact that we're without one of our better players. Now, the flip side of that is 
is the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee looks at that in its proper context. So yes, it may hurt you in the net. However, they understand you get your star player back and you get into conference play. So I don't think it'll hurt us as bad as it would at full strength if we drop one of those games. But I'm ready to go. I know you guys are too. I know it's like, uh, you know, with football, just kind of you know, being mediocre at this point, I know we're all looking at this and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to kind of see the Bulldogs play. Guys, we're going to open up women's basketball November the 6th in Humphrey Coliseum. Today is October the 18th. So before you even get rid of all the Halloween candy, and I'm trusting you to show some discretion there, uh, we're going to get ready to get on the court. Uh, the men will open on October 14th. That's baseball I'm not looking at. What am I looking at? I knew that wasn't right. Come on, Steve, get it together. We're going to talk about baseball here shortly. But, uh, yeah, so we have the charity exhibition game uh, down in Hattiesburg on October the 29th. Of course, that is uh, a week from Saturday. So it is. So we're going to play Auburn on the road that afternoon, and then we're going to play at Southern Miss. So if you are a South Mississippi dog, and maybe you're not making a trip to Auburn, we're going to encourage you to turn out and take over Reed Green Coliseum and paint it maroon and uh, really, really, really support the Bulldogs. And then uh, next thing you know, we're going to be on the road to Chicago to play in the Bar Sports uh, Invitational deal. But uh, it's just right around the corner, guys. You're 11 days away, even though it is an exhibition game, 11 days away from seeing Chris Jans and the Bulldogs back on the court. So let's go ahead and prepare and make some plans. Again, the kids down there in South Mississippi, as a, as a former South Mississippi kid, I can tell you, we love it when the Bulldogs come to town. We want to see them play. And I'm glad that sometimes we take the show on the road and give those kids in South Mississippi a chance uh, that maybe don't get to come to Starkville very often to identify, you know, Mississippi State and be able to go just down the street and see their kids play. And I know we have a great group of Bulldogs in Hattiesburg, a ton of Mississippi State alums down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And so, again, that's a Sunday 2 p.m. game. Um, it's important. I know it's an exhibition game, but I think it's important for us to kind of send a, a message. So, again, consider going to that game. Uh, of course, we're going to be over at Auburn. I guess we'll make it back uh, Saturday night, and uh, Justin's going to go cover the uh, exhibition down there in Hattiesburg. So we'll have full coverage down there, too. Uh, of the game. I hope that you can turn out and uh, and be a part of that. Final segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Just go to Google, put in Stark Vegas Clubhouse, and you can see for yourself what a great property this is. Whether you're bringing a large group uh, to game to game day weekend, or perhaps uh, bringing a crew in, maybe you're working. I don't know. And it's not. Here's the thing: like, if you're traveling with a large group, it gets so expensive, man. Everybody's got to spend like 150 to 200 bucks a night. Sometimes it's a two night minimum, and and then when you go and you visit with your buddy in your room, his wife's getting a shower, you're sitting on the edge of the bed, things are just awkward. Wouldn't it be great to have a place to spread out? That's what you get at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. That's two Sterling Drive, just five minutes away from Mississippi State's beautiful campus. And I just want to share with you some of the things they're saying about the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. We were here for a wedding, and the place was very spacious, and as described, location was great for us in private. That's a good part of it, too. It's very quiet out there. The house was perfect for our large group and plenty of space to spread out. We appreciated a well-stocked kitchen and the comfortable beds. Would definitely stay here again. Large house, plenty of space and plenty of beds. Great location, accommodating host. Will definitely stay again. 
We had a wonderful trip and enjoyed our stay. The house was the perfect place to host our group. We're looking forward to visiting again. So it's so great. Again, to think about if your family's like my family, where you know, the kids are getting older, you know, they're getting involved in relationships or whatever. And so it's nice that everybody can be together and have some privacy. That's a thing, too. Like even if you're tailgating, I mean, you still got to deal with all the cleanup. Why not just go ahead and just rent the Stark Vegas Clubhouse? It's a gated entry. It's a beautiful place. been completely renovated. The former clubhouse of the golf course out there. Uh, a ton of people can stay and, uh, and you got that great area outside. You can have the fire pit outside. So if you want to get outside and hang and a couple of wet bars as well, if that's your thing, uh, nothing could be better than to bring in your entire family to Starkville for an event and stay in the Starkville, Stark Vegas Clubhouse. So when you, go, when you go to their Facebook page or when you go to some of the listings, it's going to take you to the Evolve website. We're going to give you a promo code to try it out. It's BSR10. That's right. BSR10. Very easy. Because beautiful Steve Robertson is going to save you 10%. So you're making money again just by listening to this show. Promo code BSR10 for the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Be sure and check it out today. All right, let's take a quick look at a couple things before we get out of here. We're going to kind of skip around a little bit. Now, if you guys are unaware of this, this weekend, if you're not making the trip to Fayetteville, we do have the baseball scrimmage with UAB. That's going to take place this Saturday. The time has been changed from 1 to 2 o'clock. And we're going to kick off at 11, and so maybe you can get out there to Duty Noble Field and kind of finish up watching the game, but also see uh, the new-look Bulldogs uh, play and begin to wrap up fall baseball. And uh, so, again, that's this Saturday, Duty Noble Field, Mississippi State versus UAB. You know, we played them last year uh, over at their place. I was there. It was hot. It's very hot. Won't be hot on Saturday, uh, but come be a part of that. Again, if you're not making the trip uh, to, uh, to Arkansas, come out and support the Diamond Dogs. And again, the, really one of your last chances to see them play uh, before we take the field. And um, again, I'm just curious to see, you know, what we look like when we begin to get into the non-conference. A lot of people keep asking me, Steve, when is the schedule out? Well, I'm told we're waiting on one contract. One contract for a non-conference game. Once we get that back, we'll release the full schedule. And we'll break that down over Gene's page. We'll let you know who who is, you know, these non-conference games you got to worry about. Uh, because if we get into non-conference play, we're going to find out a lot about our team. But uh, you're just, you know, again, three days away from being out there to be a part of that. So I encourage you to go over there and kind of check some things out and just kind of enjoy being at Duty Noble Field. And the thing that I'll say, there's so much right now, there is, um, I had some people share with me recently, said, Steve, it feels like we're under black cloud. I, you know, I, I, I get it, you know, because we get so much enjoyment from athletics, and then when we don't get the return on our emotional investment, it's easy to get down. It is. You know, we haven't had two good baseball years in a row. You know, we win the NAFL championship, and it feels like in many respects that we have been, dare I say it, we've been a laughingstock at times. I thought last year we were really good offensively, but pitching has been a complete disaster uh, for two years. Of course, in 2022, you can attribute some of that to injuries, and last year it was just – I just don't think we managed it well. I think we all saw the same things. I'm not breaking any news here. There were times, you know, we got we trot guys out there and said, man, why is this kid out here so much? A lot of it's because we didn't have anybody else. You know, and there were some other guys that came in with some high accolades that didn't perform. And so I get that some people are looking at baseball and they're really kind of skeptical. I, I get it. Then you look at this men's basketball thing and it's like, hey, hey, at least basketball's around the corner. 
And then we get the news that Tolu is out. And it's clearly not an insignificant injury. He wouldn't be out, you know, for two more months. You know, and then then how long does it take him to get up to game speed once we get an SEC play? So it's like, hey, we didn't expect to be, you know, you know, top three seed or anything, but we expected to be a very solid tournament team. And then before we even get on the floor, we're having to navigate through all this. What does this mean for Mississippi State men's basketball without a first-team All-SEC selection? Well, it's not a good development by any stretch of the imagination. Look at the women's side. I mean, yeah, you know, again, there's there's some cause for optimism, but let's be honest, over the course of the last few years, until Sam Purcell got here, we have not been nearly as engaged in women's basketball. I, I remember how fun it was, you know, those last couple of years with Vic Schaefer. It's like, you know, we felt like we could compete with anybody in the country. And we knew that when we played South Carolina that uh, that was going to be a tough undertaking, but we knew we were going to give them unshirted hell, win or lose. We knew we were going to go out there and compete. And, of course, you had the big win over UConn that snapped the streak and knocked them out of the tournament that's put us in an NFL championship game. I mean, it's the biggest upset in the history of college uh, women's basketball. People forget we got beat by the same team the year before by 66 points. And I remember I was there when we were doing the, um, you know, the, the pregame media stuff out at, uh, in Dallas, and the UConn reporters are already asking them about winning an NFL championship. They hadn't even played us yet. And so everybody involved was overlooking us. And all of a sudden, it's like women's basketball became relevant at Mississippi State. And we've seen that kind of fall away. And you saw all the emotional reaction. Yeah, I remember when Nikki McCray-Pinson, God rest her soul, we lost that first game at South Florida, and people were like, this is not going to do. We don't, Mississippi State, we don't lose those games. And in the last couple of years, you know, it's been like everything has kind of been a bit of a struggle. You bring in Sam Purcell – and you take some strides last year. Did we have some losses we shouldn't have? Yeah, we did. But we won some games that we wouldn't have won the previous year. So it feels like we're on the uptick there. And then you look at this football thing. And uh, it's so in- incredibly disappointing in many respects that we're not playing better. But, you know, there have been times in our history that we've gotten through the midpoint part of the year and uh, found some things down the stretch. And my hope is we will. You know, it's not like the staff is completely unexperienced. Yes, Zach Arnett is a first-year head coach. Yes, he is. But it's not like Tony Hughes and David Turner and those guys are just, you know, making their way up from the high school ranks. You know, and listen, I get it. I mean, you know, our defense has left a lot to be desired this year. The thing that I would encourage you, though, is, you know, let's stick together a little bit, right? Uh, Because coaches and players come and go. And, yes, they hold a fond part of our hearts as they move forward, we're very appreciative of everybody that's coming here and tried to advance our athletic interest. But it's easy to be negative. With so many things happening around us that are the negative variety, you look at it, you know, it's like, hey, you know, we, we didn't get the big transfer in baseball. And we have the major injury in men's basketball. But you know what? We're going to play the games either way. They're not, nobody's going to feel sorry for us. And certainly in Arkansas this weekend. Uh, again, as I told you guys earlier in the show, I've watched everything Arkansas's put out. I've watched uh, Sam Pittman's uh, Monday press conference, all their player availability, and transcribed everything that I felt that you guys needed to know. So you can read those for free over at jeanspage.com. You know, everything Sam Pittman had to say about Mississippi State and everything the Razorbacks saying about the Bulldogs. You can go read that right now. But I can tell you there's a confidence in our Arkansas team. And, again, it's, a, it's about culture. You know, Sam Pittman and those guys, you know, beginning – it's, you start working through these these uh, 
Sam Pittman seasons, and uh, you begin to realize that they, they typically start pretty well, and then they faded some down the stretch. You know, 2020, of course, was the first year of the Sam Pittman era. And listen, like all of you, when they hired him, I'm like, I don't get it. You go hire the offensive line coach at Georgia. But I've grown to like Sam Pittman. As I mentioned earlier in the week, it sounds a lot like Jackie Sherrill when he speaks. And I like the fact that he's kind of a no-nonsense coach. You know, like some people talking about them being conservative play calling this week. And he's like, you know, people are always going to have something to complain about. I didn't think we were conservative. I thought we called a good game. And I think one could certainly argue for that is the fact that you only lose by a field goal on the road at Alabama in a game where you basically were dominated, you know, the first half of the game. Yes, you had two successful drives early on. You couldn't finish. You got a couple field goals. But I like that Sam Pittman's willing to get out there and kind of say it. He's not going to call anybody out. But he also saying, you know, hey, listen. I thought we played a good game. I thought we coached a good game. And the record and numbers show that. He also had a play where they had a bust, and Alabama had a big touchdown. And he goes, one of the reporters asked Sam. He's like, hey, Sam, do you know what happened? Yeah, we know what happened, but I'm not going to throw my kids under the bus. And I respect that too. I do. But it is clear that Sam Pittman and those guys are, you know, they're looking at this game as a must win. And everybody that you hear speak says, hey, we got to win this week. You're hearing the same thing on Mississippi State. But anybody expecting Arkansas to be humiliated or demoralized after losing last week to Alabama doesn't appear they are. This is their Super Bowl, and not because it's Mississippi State, because it's the home game after a four-game stretch where you've been away from your home venue, and you've got to try to right the ship. But going back and looking at 2020 here, of course, they lose the first ball game of Georgia. They beat Mississippi State. We discussed that one earlier as our breakdown of the more memorable games in the series. And then they go to Auburn and should have won the game. If you remember, that's the whole Bo Nix spiking deal. And they even reviewed it, and they gave Auburn the football, and Auburn wins the game. Arkansas should have won the game. And so you say, hey, they should have been a 2-1 and one team. Well, the next week, they beat Ole Miss, 33-21 in favorable, and the game really wasn't close. And then things kind of started, you know, you had some COVID issues. Sam himself had COVID. They get beat by A&M in Arlington. They bounce back and beat Tennessee. That I don't think anybody expected that. I didn't. Then they get shelled at Florida. They lose a tight one at LSU. And I don't know what it is about LSU and Arkansas and LSU get together. Sam gets his kids up to play, the Tigers. And they drop by field goal. The next week, they lose at Missouri by two. And then they get blown out by Alabama to finish it, and they close out the TCU era. Uh, they, they close out the season by – opting out of the bowl game against TCU. But you look down the stretch here, again, you know, it's four straight losses, but they're all competitive. And the thing you begin to ask yourself, because so many people have said, you know, but, hey, Arkansas is losing, but the games are competitive. Guys, it, either you win or you lose. And that's one of the things that happens. It kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy after a while. You start thinking it's a close game. We're going to find a way to lose. And a lot of times they have. I haven't run the numbers on this, but, you know, you look back at the uh, the 21 season, you know, they get off to the 4-0 start, and everybody's hyping up the big game at Georgia, saying Arkansas has arrived and they're going to take their place at the table. They get beat 37-0, and that game, was that score is not indicative of how much they dominated. The next week they go to Oxford, and you could argue they should have won that game. The, the, the game ends on a two-point conversion attempt from K.J. Jefferson 
and the pass is just incomplete there. It really wasn't a fighting chance on the play. I didn't like the play call, to be honest with you. Uh, but 52-51, but they lose. Then they lose to Auburn. Again, they destroy UA Pine Bluff, and that's when they beat us the next week. Uh, well, I guess it's two weeks later after an open date. If two weeks to get ready for us, and we go up there and, and miss three field goals, two of them very makeable. And then they found a way to go to Baton Rouge and win by three. And, again, it's the same old thing with OSU and Arkansas. They play Alabama to within a score in Tuscaloosa and lose. They beat Missouri 34-17, then beat Penn State, the best year to Sam Pittman era. But, again, you know, you look at these close ball games, they won a couple of those. And then you get into the 22 season and things are a little bit different. You know, again, it's like you, you, you get off to the good start, 3-0, and you lose a tight win A&M. You remember the K.J. Jefferson fumble that was returned, and it, you know, it looked like Arkansas was about to really take command of that game. Then you get spanked pretty good by Alabama, and then State absolutely destroys them uh, when they come in here, 40-17. They find a way to get K.J. back, and they beat BYU. They finally get over the hump and beat Auburn at Auburn, and then lose to Liberty, 21-19. Then it's the next thing you know, it's another three-point game with LSU, and they lose the game. And so it's like you're getting, you know, coaching wins and loses close ball games. And it's not just in basketball. Of course, they destroyed Ole Miss last year and then lose at Mizzou 29-27. And, yes, I'll take credit for it. I forecasted that for a month that we're going to do that. And then they found a way against Kansas in three overtimes to win. And so, yeah, I mean, this is not just indicative of, of, of Arkansas. I mean, obviously, when there's close ball games, somebody's got to win and somebody's got to lose. But you look at these games, and more times than not, when it's a tight game, Arkansas is on the short end of the stick. And, again, they've lost five in a row, get off the two and a start this year. They go five in a row. They lose by a touchdown to BYU. Not a good BYU team. They go to LSU, and offensively they kind of come alive in that game, but they lose by three. They go play AM and AM jumps on them early, and, you know, they win by 12. And then you go to Ole Miss, and I thought Arkansas managed this game really, really well. I thought the game plan was very, very, very good. They go out there and say, you know what, hey, we're going to shorten this game. We're going to keep their offense off the field, and we're just going to kind of chew up clock. And I remember that very first drive, man, you look up and you're like, holy smokes, the first quarter's almost over. You know, and so, but again, you lose again. Last week, you get down big, and the next thing you know, it's a tight ball game late, and you lose again. And so I, I shared that because I think it's important to have a bit of a counterpoint. Everybody's like, well, you know, they're playing so well, they're just coming up a little bit short. I think in many respects – and again, you, you could run the numbers yourself. More times than not, when they get into a tough game, something happens and they, they don't get it done. You know, of course, the, you know, the big win over us in 21 was aided by the Martin Emerson uh, call. And, I, and I'll continue to say that, that was a bad call. I'll continue to say it. Uh, I think the reason they didn't call it P.I. is because they knew that it was uncatchable. And so they call it a hold. When uh, Trey Knox actually initiated the contact, Trey runs right into Martin, and that's good football, right? And let's just call it for what it is. You're trying to get a call there if you can't get a catch. And so he goes and initiates contact, a bigger player running into uh, a DB there. And then as you make contact, you break off. I mean, I'm sure that's coached into him. And why wouldn't it be? But if you don't get a call there, that's another loss in another close ball game. And so – I think it's important to understand when you are the team that is constantly coming up a little bit short, 
when you get into the fourth quarter, because everybody talks about we just want to get the game to the fourth quarter and be within a score. Well, that shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be to win the game. I think Arkansas has done a good job of getting games to the fourth quarter. They just haven't been able to finish. And you begin to ask yourself, well, at what point will they finish? I think one of the things that happens with athletes, and it's not just on the college level, but at any level, I think when those moments continue to arrive, you continue to perform the way you normally do. It's like, well, this is what we do. You know, we always find a way to play them close, and we never can get over the hump. I mean, you know, the most the, the biggest gap in sports, and uh, I've shared this before, is from first to second. Some people say, oh, Steve, no, no, no. Because the winner, the champion, is willing or is capable of doing the things that the also-rans can't or won't. And so I think that's one of those things when you look at this thing, I think if this thing goes into the fourth quarter and it's a one-score game, I think there is a mental aspect of this that is in Mississippi State's favor. Because of the fact, you know, State has won some really close ball games late. And we'll take a quick look at that, you know, before, before we get out of here. Because I think it's important that everybody kind of see this in the proper context. Because we're using it to kind of say, hey, Arkansas is this and Arkansas is that. And listen, I think Arkansas is a very good team to be 2-5. and five. I don't think 2-5 and five is indicative of their talent level. I think they've had a very brutal schedule. And I think if we go up there and uh, we get a little bit bent out of shape, if we go up there and don't play well, if we go up there and feel sorry for ourselves, they're capable of embarrassing us. But, you know, looking at this year, of course, uh, State wins the overtime game against Arizona. You lose the game at South Carolina, and, and, and that loss is worse and worse by the day. I think we all can accept that. I think we all kind of said then, you know, we're going to look back and feel like we let one get away, and we did. But, you know, looking back to last year, you know, um, you know talking tight ball games, you, you win against Auburn in overtime. You know, you, you win in Oxford. You make the play to win the game. You could say the same thing about the Rely Quest Bowl. I mean, we, we marched down the field, we kicked the field goal, and, of course, we tack on the touchdown at the end. Yeah, but the close ball games in recent years, and more times than not, have gone the way of Mississippi State. Now, Zach Arnett wasn't the head coach then, but Zach Arnett was a part of this culture. You go back 2021, you beat Louisiana Tech 35-34. What do you do? You block a field goal on the final play. So that's a winning play. Uh, of course, you lose the Memphis game, but again, you know, do we need to go over it again? Uh, you lose to LSU 28-25, and that was a game really – the score is not truly indicative of how well LSU played. The next week you go to College Station, Texas, you win 26-22. Your defense makes a play. I kind of put that game away. Nathan Pickering with the safety that gave State a little cushion there. And, of course, you have your Arkansas game. Uh, Auburn, of course, you get down in that game, you come all the way back and end up winning by nine. You know, and so I just shared that just because I think it's important to understand teams that are used to winning tight games late tend to continue to win tight games late. And teams that tend to lose those games tend to continue losing them. So all of that and 50 cents to get you a cup of coffee at the old Delo truck stop. Uh, but I just share that with you because I want, I want to frame some things up. I think sometimes this self-defeating mindset that we have is unhealthy. Can Mississippi State win this game? Absolutely. Do I expect State to win today? I don't. By the time I get to Friday, 
I may feel like that. I mean, the toss-ups tend to go the way of the home team. They're beat up. We're beat up. They got KJ Jefferson, which I think is uh, that that's worth a touchdown in and of itself. You know, KJ is a star in this league. I don't know that he gets enough respect, to be honest with you. But I also don't know what we're going to cook up with Mike Wright. If Mike Wright proves to be the starter, we've had two weeks to kind of prepare. Now, granted, you don't go out there and reinvent the wheel. Of course, Jackie Sherrill did back in 91. We took the open date and put in a triple option with uh, William Prince and Kenny Roberts and those guys. We went down there and did some big things at LSU and embarrassed those guys. Really kind of brought the end of the Curly Hallman era at LSU. Uh, but, yeah, I think there will be some opponent-specific wrinkles this week. And I think it's important. You know, we don't know what to expect if Mike Wright's under center. I don't think it's going to be what you've seen in many respects because I think we've tipped our hands so much. I think what you'll see now is people will have to have a more balanced approach. I think some of that's because of what you saw him do against Western Michigan. Uh, And, you know, he did some good things against Western Michigan. Yes, I understand it's Western Michigan, but I also know this, and more times than not, uh, his possessions were were positive. At the very least, you know, hey, we're, we're getting in there in position to score or we're scoring. So... I think that's an important thing of it, too. We don't really know what to expect. Arkansas doesn't know what to expect. And so we'll see how things shake out on Saturday. But I think if this thing boils down to a one-score game late in the fourth quarter, I think I'd probably take Mississippi State. All right, if you haven't done so, go to winthebottomfalls.com. Of course, they're going to be done printing around November the 9th, and then they'll ship it. That takes a couple days. So uh, we'll finally got some books on the way uh, soon. And uh, everything's kind of been approved. It's been a long process. I appreciate everybody's patience. Uh, but you can go pre-order the book now when the bottom falls.com. And all my sports books are available there, too. It's Flim Flam, Alpha Dog, Stark Villains, and Dog Pile. You can get Stark Villains gear at StarkVillains.com. And as always, come be a member of our site over jeanspage.com. Give us a test drive for just one buck. 30 days for a dollar. Come be a part of that. And uh, we'd love to have you, of course. Uh, and that, that, that gets you basically... Uh, into the the meat of the schedule and there's going to be a lot that we got to cover the open dates behind us so there won't be any weeks where you're not getting a ton of content we're running about 10 stories a day over jeanspage.com so uh come out there again most extensive coverage of mississippi state athletics in the history of this fine institution until next time let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.